David, in his Messianic Psalm 110, verse 4, prophetically declares that Messiah will be after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, His priesthood would be after the order of Melchizedek. Then we come to Hebrews 7, 1 through 10. Melchizedek is mentioned from chapter 5 through chapter 7 in in Hebrews. But in chapter uh, 10, 1 through 8, we are told that Melchizedek serves as a type of Christ's priesthood. And this becomes then the central theme of the doctrinal section of the book of Hebrews. It's important to kind of understand a couple of things here. First of all, when it calls him a type, what a type means in Scripture. A type is a person, a practice, or a ceremony that has a counter in the New Testament. An example of this would be in Matthew 1240. Uh, it, it speaks of Jonah being three days in the whale, and it says, So the Son of Man will be three days in the earth. It, it, it speaks of Jesus' burial and resurrection. It's a type. Jonah was a type in the whale of Jesus when he was buried after his crucifixion. That's, that's the idea. It doesn't correspond in every aspect. It just has certain features that are to be drawn out and seen as types. And so that's, that's kind of important to understand when we're talking about types. The bronze serf, serpent that was raised in the wilderness after the uh, <clears throat> treasonous act of the Hebrews. And they looked upon the bronze servant for healing. We're later on told in the New Testament in the book of John that that's, that, was, that was a type of Jesus being raised up to forgive your sins, to take the penalty of your sin, is, is the idea uh, that's being expressed. There. Those are types. That's what a type is. Scripture tells us when something is a type. <laughs> and uh, and Hebrews, 1, uh, um, Hebrews 7, 1 through 10 tells us that Melchizedek then is a type. Secondly, priest needs to be understood in the, in the Hebrew sense. We're talking about the Levitical priesthood. We're not talking about any modern-day concept of priest in religious orders, it's the Levitical priesthood that uh, the contrast is being made to. So you need to, to kind of keep those things separate. In our minds, there haven't been Levitical priests. There haven't been any since 70 AD. So they're not something we think about other than from Scripture. So it's, it's important that we understand we're not talking about some guy that wears a reverse collar and you go into a confessional and say, I did this wrong, and he says, go say seven Hail Marys and you're forgiven. That's not legitimate at all. That's not what the priesthood did. These guys offered the sacrifices. They represented the people before God. Uh, that's, that's what they did. And uh, they presented sacrifices. And incidentally, in the New Testament, are there priests in the New Testament? Yeah, every one of you. A believers are priests in the New Testament. First Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9 uh, says that we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Uh, uh, Revelation uh, 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 5.10, in the, in the section where the Lamb has taken the scroll and the praise goes out that the Lamb is worthy, he says that he has made them a nation of priests to their God. So that, these, are the, these are the New Testament concept of, a, of an actual priest. It's someone who is a believer. Just like saints are believers. Believers are also priests. So that's, that's kind of the, uh, the concept here. So that's kind of an introduction 
to what we're going to be looking at this morning in 7 through 10. We're going to kind of take this as uh, the history of Melchizedek and then the significance of Melchizedek as we, as we go through this. Okay, so we're going to look first of all at Melchizedek's history in 1 through 3. Uh, verse 1 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. And to him Abraham appointed a tenth part of everything. Uh, he is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogies, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. So here is the the beginning uh, introduction to Melchizedek. First of all, it says that Melchizedek, king of Salem, uh, his name, that's his name, uh, actually means, it's a two-part Hebrew name, that means my king, the first part of it, the male part, <laughs> and then the Zadak uh, means king of righteousness. Uh, so he is uh, my king of righteousness, literally, uh, but generally the translators just make it king of righteousness is the concept of that. Uh, of course, this is a place where he corresponds to Jesus Christ, who is the righteous king, ult- ultimately. So that's uh, uh, one of the points where he corresponds. Secondly, it says that he is the king of Salem, which is the ancient name for Jerusalem. Salem comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. Uh, So he is is the king of peace as well. Uh, and, And then it goes on to say that not only is he a king on two fronts, he's the king of righteousness and the king of peace, I think from the New Testament, you know very clearly who that points to. It points to Jesus Christ. That's who he is. He is the king of righteousness and the king of peace. Uh, but he, it goes on to say that he is priest of the Most High God, El Elyon. Uh, in, in Genesis 4.18, that's, that's the way it's uh, written in the Hebrew context. This is a name that was called, that, that uh, the God, and he says the God of heaven and earth, the creator God. This is a pre-Yahweh name. Yahweh doesn't come into effect until the, till the law is given through Moses. That's when, when God tells Moses, I am that I am, Yahweh. Uh, and here this is a name that those who worshipped the God of heaven prior to the establishment of the Mosaic law, this was the name they used uh, to refer to God. That, that's the name that, that they used. And, and you notice it's a, it's a very honorable name. It's speaking of the Most High God. There is no other God. And it goes on to say, the God who created, who is the Creator God, the God of heaven and earth. This is the way, this is the way it's, it's set up in Genesis 14. Uh, when he speaks to Abraham, he says, I'm blessing you by the Most High God, the Creator of heaven and earth. There were worshipers. Uh, God has always had worshipers. <clears throat> And uh, we don't know much about Melchizedek. He just shows up. Uh, and, and he's introduced as the king of righteousness, the king of peace, and a, and a priest of the Most High God. These are, these are his, his credentials, so to speak. Uh, and, and, he, uh, and, of course, this all predates the priesthood. This all predates the, uh, uh, the establishment of the line of Aaron through Levi. 
and and uh, this is uh, this is uh, this would be seen then pretty much as a universal priesthood uh, that supersedes the the uh, the covenant priesthood during the time of Israel. Israel, the priesthood that was given to Israel, uh, and and we see that also this priesthood. <clears throat> excuse me. This priesthood was royal. He wasn't just the king, he was a priest. And this is quite significant because in the covenant, Levi's family, through Aaron, was set apart, it was set apart to be the priest. Uh, Exodus 28, verse 1, tells us they were to be the priest. Only them were to be the priest. And we're also told that only the tribe of Judah would produce the king. Two separate places. The king and the priest were separate in the nation of Israel. Uh, they, they didn't, uh, they, the king couldn't be the priest, the priest couldn't be the king. That was, that was, the, that was the line. They came from two different, two distinctly different families. In fact, if you go to Psalms 1, 110, verses 2, tells us, the scepter will not depart out of Judah. And then a verse later, or not a verse later, two verses later in verse 4, it tells us that that one holding the scepter will be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So there is going to be a change. This points to Messiah. Messiah held both positions. He is the king and he is the high priest. Those are, those are the, the points that are being being drawn out of this man Melchizedek. Those are the, those are the things that he's saying. Zechariah chapter uh, chapter 6 verse 13. Zechariah writes, "It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord and shall bear royal honor and shall sit and rule on his throne and there shall be and there shall be a priest on his throne and and the council of peace shall be between between the both, the point, the point here is they are both the same person sitting on the same throne. That's what he's predicting in Zechariah uh, chapter 16. He's both king of righteousness and, and peace. Uh, and this pictures Christ because he is the one who justified us, that is, made us righteous, and gave us peace with God. Romans 5, verse 1. Isaiah 32, 7. Um, Psalms. 55, 9 through 10, or excuse me, not 55, 85. I marked that too, and I lost my thing here. Okay, bear with me a minute. I got to find it because I lost my tag. I put tags in here so I don't have to search. And then I lose them. If you think that this Melchizedek, you know, is this a pre incarnate? We're about to get there. We're about to get there, but no, he is not. You know, like he came in with the angels to another with Abraham and Lot, but Jesus was one of them. Yeah, but he's not. We'll we'll talk about that in just a minute. Give me a minute. I'm about to get there. I'll give you a minute. Okay. It's on my next page. It's right here on my next page. <laughs> well, I may need five minutes, but anyway. <laughs> I'll only get one. Oh shoot. I guess I better watch what I say, huh? Okay, anyway. Uh, oh, uh, 
That's why I didn't do it. I wrote it down. Uh, Psalms, Psalms uh, 85, 9 through 10. Surely his salvation is dear to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Uh, that's a that's a picture of what we're what we're saying here about Melchizedek and his his priesthood is both royal and it, and he is also a priest. Uh, Abraham and the text tells us that Abraham met him as he's returning from the slaughter of the kings and that he blessed them. That's a priestly role. It's going to he's going to build upon that later. And he gave a tenth of everything to him, which basically means he gave a tenth of the best out of the spoil. Uh, from the from the slaughter of the kings, uh, tenth equals tithe. That's where the word tithe comes from. It's a tenth, and and he's and he just and he gave that to him. Um, verse three. He recognized him. He recognized him as a representative of the God of the Most High, the Most High God of Heaven and Earth. That's what he did. He that he recognized that. That is a that is that is that is kind of it's not stated, but it's it's obvious. He wouldn't have done it otherwise, because if you read the rest of the text, you've, you've, well, we're, we're going to get there in just a minute. But if, as you as you go on in 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 Chapter 14, um, you find that Abram didn't take anything of the spoil. And the, and, uh, the king of Sol- uh, Sodom comes to him and goes, Hey, look, uh, let me have this and you can take the rest. You know, which he's kind of forgetting about the rest of the people that were involved in the thing. It's kind of selfish. And, and uh, Abram says, No, I swore to God I wouldn't take anything. And he doesn't. He gives a tenth to Melchizedek and he gives the people who... The kings or the the leaders of the tribes that came with him uh, and helped, he lets them take their portion, but Abraham takes nothing. And so, yes, he recognized who Melchizedek was. How he recognized him, the Spirit of God must have told him, but because uh, we're not told, that would be arguments from but silence. He didn't give it just because Melchizedek was king. No, he didn't. He didn't because he wasn't. He wasn't in Jerusalem. He met him out on the plains. Oh. He's returning from the battle. He's heading home, and he comes out on the plains. Is is the is the picture here? Uh, okay. Now it's going to take more than five minutes to get there, but but it's her fault. The um, uh, verse three. He's without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resi- uh, but resembling the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. So we. Keep in mind that he's met him on the plains and he is going to bless Abraham and Abraham is paying a tithe toward him. Those kind of keep those in the back of your mind. The little the the Levitical priesthood was based on heredity um, uh, through uh, through Aaron. If you were a descendant of Aaron, you could serve. If not, you could not. Exodus 28 one genealogy was all important to the Hebrews. They kept explicit records of everyone. Uh, because you had to know your line, because that determined your part of the inheritance. It determined who could be priest. It determined who could be king. All of this was important. They were better than the Mormons at keeping it. 
<laughs> if you're, you, look, you want to trace your genealogy, get all the Mormons. They traced everybody's. Uh, but any, anyway, uh, but that, that's the idea here. It, but it says of Melchizedek, he was out father, mother, or genealogy. Now, to your question, we're going to get there. Some have speculated that Melchizedek was an angel. Th- that has been a speculation. Oh, he must have been an angel. However, 5.1 specifically says that priesthood belongs only to men. For every high priest chosen among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relationship to God to order gifts, sacrifices for sin. He's not an angel. Angels don't uh, perform the function of a priest. Secondly, there's those that say he is, excuse me, that he is the pre-incarnate Christ. The language in this text, and it's kind of important here, because the, the word is used twice. In, uh, I think, the New American Standard, perhaps in the King James, I looked it up, but I've forgotten now. In most of them it says, he was like. That's the word it uses. And then in, 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 in chapter, in, uh, excuse me, in verse... Uh, yeah, it's verse 3, but it's used again in verse, uh, is it 15? Yeah, it's verse 15. It's, tra- it's, it's the word likeness is there. In the, actually, here the ESV does a really good job of translating this word because the word isn't like the word used in chapter 1 where it says, he, speaking of Jesus, that he is the... Uh, uh, that he is the expressed image of his radiance. You know, we're speaking of his relationship to God, that he is the same as God. This is a different word. This is like you say, you know, Tom looks a lot like Bill. That's what this word says. He looks a lot like. It, he's similar to. He resembles. Now, he's not the image of... Who did I put first? Tom and Bill. Anyway, he's not, he's not the image, he's not the image of, of him. But, you know, they kind of have the same color hair and the same complexion, the general face structure, and the same big ears and, and crooked nose, you know. But they're not exactly the same. He's Tom and he's Bill. That's what this is saying. So it's not, so it is definitely saying he is not Jesus. He's a man. That's the point here. The point is, he's a man. Now, the fact of the matter, the truth of the matter is, He was a man like other men. He died. He was born. But we're not told anything about his genealogy. And that was specific from the Holy Spirit because he wanted to make a point here. Now, Jesus, we have his genealogy. Matthew 1, Luke 3. Why do we have his genealogy? To prove he's a priest? No, because it doesn't. Proves he's king. That's why his genealogy is there. Melchizedek has no genealogy because of the nature of this priesthood. It's directly from God. It's not hereditary. It's not temporary. It's permanent. Those are the important features of this priesthood. Okay, maybe, as we know, um, Elijah went up in a chariot of fire. He wasn't. He was here. But maybe because it says, without father or mother... He doesn't have anything. Maybe he just appears and pretty soon he's gone. Well, that's a possibility. It, but the idea... I mean, God can... Yeah, that's... that's it, because why would it say without father and without mother? 
because they're they're wanting to make it very spe- because they're wanting to make it very specific that genealogy paid, played no played no part in this priesthood. Because in verse four, it's going to go on to say how great this man was, and it calls him a man. It, it basically, yeah. Verse 4. Yeah, we haven't got to verse 4 yet, but anyway, it's verse 4. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway, yeah, Melchizedek creates a lot of, people go goofy over it, but basically, what we have here is, uh, what we have here is, is he's a real man, a historical human being, who typifies Christ in his priestly ministry, and the focus is on that, the priestly ministry, that he's a king priest, and, and, and what it is trying to tell us is genealogy didn't play a part in this. That's the important. Take, take away from this whether you want to think he po- just popped on the scene out of eternity into eternity. Because that's the picture that it, that is actually the picture that is painted. Uh, but those are all arguments from silence because text doesn't tell us. It just tells us he was a man. And it tells us, it tells us that he was a king. And it tells us that he was a priest. And it tells us that Abraham gave a tithe to him, and that he blessed Abraham, which becomes important in the next section. Those all become important in the next section. And the point here is, note what Hebrews 7, or yeah, 7 verse 16, actually we'll pick it up at verse 15, uh, that uh, 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 what it says about Jesus' ministry as high priest is this. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, similar to Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning, concerning bodily descent, i.e. genealogy, but by the power of an indestructible life. That's Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's what this is pointing to. That's what it's telling us this is pointing to. The fact that that's who he, the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. Actually, that's the next verse. Uh, that's that's the, the concept here. What the, the takeaway here is, is that he is a priest, king, who didn't get that way because of ancestry, but because of the will of God, really, in reality. And then in, in verse, then we pick up Melchizedek's significance in, in this whole text, verses 4 through 10. For see how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils, and whose descendant and and whose descendants of Levites who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take a tithe from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also were descendants of Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descendants from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. It is beyond dispute that the inferior blesses the superior. In one case... In the one case, ties are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one, one of whom it is testified that he lives. He might even say that Levi himself, who received ties, paid ties through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So we have, first of all, that Melchizedek is shown to be greater than Abraham. You understand to the Jews, 
Abraham is the pinnacle. He is the patriarch. It uses that word. He is the patriarch of the, of the Jewish nation. Uh, they all look to Abraham. Incidentally, all who are members of the family of faith look to Abraham because he's the father of all the faithful as well. So but, the Muslims. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> the Muslims are interesting. I, I, this is sidetracked. This is, you can just, this is no extra cost. Uh, uh, when we were in Jerusalem, we went to the tomb of the patriarchs, which is in Hebron, which is controlled by the Palestinians. There's a Jewish kibbutz there, but it's controlled by the Palestinians. And uh, we go in, and, and the thing is actually kind of set up to be a mosque, a church, and a synagogue. They built a bunch of stuff over it, but the cave is there where, where um, Abraham is buried. That's where he's buried in that cave. But you go in there, and they got, they got, these, they got a tomb, and it's the tomb of Isaac and Rebekah. And it's in the mosque. And I, I went, huh? <laughs> you know, and I, and I asked, I asked the uh, tour guide, I said, why is the tomb of Isaac and Rebecca in the mosque? And he says, because they can't claim the right unless they claim Isaac. And it was like, okay, you know, just. But she's absolutely right. They claim Abraham. They claim back to Abraham. Of course, the Muslims then claim that Adam and Eve are buried there too. But never mind. That's not. That's not true. They claim all kinds of crazy stuff. But anyway, yeah, they built the mosque. Well, actually, you go to you go to Israel and they've built every everywhere there is something. It's a mosque, a synagogue, or a temple, or a or a church that's been built over the top of everything, except for Gordon's Calvary. And the and the and the tomb at uh, the garden tomb, because that's well they they call it that because a guy named Gordon is the guy who located it, mm-hmm. uh, it located it. But it's the crucifixion. It's where the, the it's where the, the it's, Christian Calvary. Okay. Yeah, it's where the where the where the uh, well, it's the Protestant side of everything, <laughs> because the Catholics have a whole different view of things. They buried him in the middle of the town, you know, which, okay, you don't do that. But anyway, 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 anyway well, we're getting really off track now. But anyhow, uh, 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 we're going to get back to the significance of Melchizedek, not the Muslims, but anyway, or the Catholics. But anyway, uh, Melchizedek shows that he's greater. Uh, Abraham is the father of the Jews. He's the father of Israel. To them, he was a great man. He's called the friend of God. Second Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Second Chronicles uh, twenty verse seven, Isaiah forty one eight, James two twenty three. All those are in your text or in your notes. Uh, <clears throat> he, he's called. He's uh, the father or patriarch of the nation. Isaiah five uh, fifty one two, and patriarch is used here to. Inst- to stress uh, the importance to the nation. He, if we trace things back, he's number one. That's kind of what that's saying. He's, he's the guy. Uh, after my, my father passed away, my brother said to me one time, because I'm the oldest, he says, it's kind of tough being the patriarch of the family. You know, I don't want to think about that. We'll move on. <laughs> but at any but anyway, rate, that's the idea. You're the, you're, that's where you are. Anyway, and then it goes on to say that Abraham gave a tithe to him. Genesis 
14.20. He gave a tenth of everything. Genesis 14.22, Abraham vowed to take nothing. We've kind of already talked about that. We won't go back into that again. But Abraham took nothing. He, he took nothing for himself. He came to rescue his nephew. He accomplished the task. He gave a tenth of the best spoils. Actually, that's in the, in the NASB. It says the choicest spoil. Uh, and he gave that. That means he gave the best off the top to Melchizedek. And then he allowed the people who helped him in this battle uh, take their portion. Uh, but he took nothing. That's, that's kind of the way this went. It speaks of the character of the man uh, uh, Abraham in that. Uh, and incidentally, notice too that nowhere, it tells us here, nowhere was he commanded to do this. He, he wasn't commanded to give, a, uh, to give this money or this tithe, whatever it amounted to, out of the spoil. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't commanded to do that. There was no, no law that said he had to do that. He did it voluntarily. He voluntarily recognized that Melchizedek, and this is where we talk about it, he recognized who Melchizedek was. He recognized Melchizedek as a priest of the Most High God. And as a result of that, he voluntarily gave an offering to him. Incidentally, this is the basis of New Testament giving. New Testament giving isn't law. It isn't, it isn't, it isn't the 10% off of everything. I mean, that's maybe a good standard, but that's not what it is. It's voluntary. 2 Corinthians 9, 17, not out of compulsion but voluntarily, because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. I mean, literally that word translates hilarious. You should be laughing your head off when you give to God. That's, that's the idea. It's not to be a begrudging uh, kind of thing. That's what this was. This was a voluntary offering that Abraham made to Melchizedek. And then he talks about the Levites in this context. He goes, he said, the Levites, on the other hand, the Levites, on the other hand, uh, receive the office by command in the law, uh, Exodus 28.1. And in the law, they were to receive tithes from their brothers, from fellow Israelites. They took the tithe from them for the support of the temple, their support, and the carrying on of, of the ministry, incidentally, there were three tithes in Israel. Uh, one went to the temple, one was taxes, and I forgot how the other one was, but it was split up three uh, um, over a three-year period. So, it was, so their tithing was actually 23 and a third percent, but uh, annually, that's what it came down to. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it was, it was a, a very different setup than what we have in the New Testament. And, and, he, and he says they were descended. They're also descendants of Abraham, Leviticus uh, twenty-seven thirty. And, and incidentally, why was this so? Because the Levites were set apart for service in the temple. That's what they were set apart for. They got no inheritance of the land other than they got city areas uh, within each of the territories of the other tribes. But they didn't get a big land portion like Judah did, like Benjamin did, like. Reuben did, and like all the rest of them. They didn't get that. They, weren't, they didn't get that part. Their part was to be priest, and they received a tithe from their brothers. That was, that was the idea. Uh, that was the idea of the Levitical priesthood. 
When we look at 4 and 5, just verses 4 and 5, see how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils, and whose descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a command in the law to take tithes uh, from the people, that is, their own brothers, though they were also descendants of Abraham. We have some contrasts here. That's what we have. Uh, The priests are descendants of Levi, uh, and they are more respected than the other people because they are to be given a tithe from all their brothers. Their brothers to re- is to see them as God's representative, is the idea here. Abraham, who is greater than all of his descendants, paid tithes to Melchizedek because Melchizedek is superior to Abraham. That's the point he's going to make here. That's the point. That's the point that is coming out here. Uh, verse six. But this man who does not have his descendants from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. So it says before God had blessed Abraham already. He had given him promise and blessing in Genesis twelve one through. Uh, 3, and in 13, 14 through 7. Uh, as a result of that, Abraham becomes the great-grandfather of Levi, whose, dependents, who de- whose, whose descendants uh, become the priest of Israel. That's, that's the chain and that there. Melchizedek, on the other hand, who we are given no information about genealogy, it's purposely not given, uh, who has, who we don't see any promise given to him, uh, stood alone as king of Salem, king of peace, and priest of the Most High God. Recognize, Abraham recognized this, the text does not tell us how, but he did. He recognized who Melchizedek was, he, res- he recognized his stature, and he offers to him to a tithe. In return, Melchizedek blesses Abraham. That's, that's what this text is telling us. That's what this text is telling us. Uh, Genesis 14, once again, we're going to pick up at, uh, we're going to pick up at verse 19 and read the blessing. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered you from the enemies into your, uh, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. That's the blessing that he he gives to Abraham. He blesses him by the Most High God, who has delivered him. And 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 he goes on. And Meld, uh, Melchizedek did. I I sorry I. Abbreviated Melchizedek through all theirs, and I put Mel. Uh, so if I say Mel, I, I, you know. Anyway, but anyway, Melchizedek did not demand an offering as the Levites, as the Levites would have. Abraham recognized that Melchizedek was a representative of God, so Abraham, so God's representative, then blesses Abraham. That's that's the that's the flow here. And then it goes on and it says, it says, here's, here's the point in all of this. This just goes to show who the superior was here. It's beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. Abraham is the one blessed. Melchizedek is the one doing the blessing. So it sets out here 
this is the format. Incidentally, you follow this pattern throughout uh, the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, fathers blessed sons. Sons did bless fathers. That's, that's the, I've got a, a list of, of uh, texts where that happens, where uh, uh, the blessings given to the sons by the fathers, Genesis 27, 7 through 29, 48, 15 through 16, chapter 49, Deuteronomy 33. In all these places, you see the father on his deathbed, basically, blessing, putting blessings on their, their sons. And it's not just, may God bless you. You know, it's very specific. Uh, God, uh, these these dads knew their sons, <laughs> and they and they spoke to them out of what they knew. So it's that's that's the that's the idea here. The idea here is is Melchizedek is the one doing the blessing. He's God's representative, and it's a different kind of priesthood. And Abraham recognizes it, and re- and as a result of that, gives an offering to him. Melchizedek is acting as a priest, that is, God's mediator, and therefore is greater than Abraham. Uh, Jesus, we are told, is the great high priest who is seated at the right hand of God. Psalms, uh, uh, Psalms 110.1 speaks to that. We've also had it throughout here and in other places as well. Uh, and his priesthood is after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Levi. That's... That's the, the point he's driving home here. And then it goes on in verse 8. It tells, us that it tells us that this is an eternal priesthood or a permanent priesthood. Understand something. The, Levit- the Levitical priesthood doesn't exist today. It ended in 70 AD when Titus Epiphany destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and killed, I forgot the number, a million six, I think it was, Jews on that day. A lot. Let's put it that way. He killed a lot of them. Most of the population of Jerusalem, uh, he was he was not real happy with them. You know, they, you know, the Roman policy was, as long as you pay your taxes to us and don't cause us any trouble, you can live your life. Give us any trouble, we squash you like a bug. The Jews continually gave Rome trouble. They squashed them like a bug. That's what happened in 70 A.D. with Titus and Pithany. Uh, he uh, he took he took them out. So the priesthood hasn't existed since 70 A.D. But within the priesthood, when it did exist, it was limited. Service was limited during the priesthood. Numbers chapter eight, verse 24. This applies to the Levites from 25 years years old and upward. They shall come to duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And from the age of 50, they shall withdraw from the duty of service and serve no more. It was a limited period. It was 25 years. From 25 to 50. It was limited. Uh, it was limited, that, that uh, idea. But in the order of Melchizedek, it simply says, He lives. That's what it says. He lives. Uh, there was no time limit on his priesthood. Uh, seven, uh, 16 through 17, once again, uh, who, who um, well, let's take 15. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the base of legal requirement and bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. 
for it, uh, for it is written of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, that's speaking of Jesus Christ in this context. And that's, that's, what, that's what the Melchizedek priesthood orderly order of priesthood points to, a permanent priest. A permanent priest, not a temporary priest, not one on a limited basis prescribed by law, but one appointed by God forever. And that's who Jesus is. That's, that's, the, that's the idea he's trying to make here. Uh, he, it, isn't, it isn't a succession uh, it, from, from heredity. It's not like, you know, the Queen of England and on down the line. It's, it's permanent. It's set in place. I don't know if that's a good example, but at any rate, uh, milk and milk, and it's the, the order, the order of Melchizedek. It's, it's fixed permanently. And that's why there's no genealogy here with Melchizedek. That's why there's not a lot of history about Melchizedek. He shows up on the scene. Abraham gives him a tithe. He blesses Abraham. He acts as a priest. In fact, he's called a priest. Scripture calls him one. And then he goes away. You know, that's what Genesis 14 tells us. He showed up, he received an offering, he blessed Abraham, and he went away. You know, well, Jesus doesn't go away. And then it, then it finally said, and then it kind of brings this to a conclusion by saying, one might even say that Levite, Levi himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in the loins of his ancestor uh, when Melchizedek met him. Pastor Steve, the other a few weeks ago, actually went to this first, and I thought, oh, well, he's stealing my thunder. But anyway, uh, that's okay. He's the boss. But, uh, but you know, uh, uh, he talked about this, and he brought this verse up. And he was talking about the imputation of sin through Adam, that basically... We were all seen in Adam's loins when he sinned. That's why it transfers to us. That's why it's impugned to us. It's the same principle. That's the way God sees mankind. He sees mankind in that light that uh, the, the original is where we all came from. And that's what it's saying here. The original in this case is Abraham. And he's basically saying Abraham play, paid ties to Melchizedek. In effect, Levi, the one who was authorized to take tithes from his brothers to support the priesthood, he paid tithes to Melchizedek because his great-grandfather did. That, that's, that's, that's what he's saying here. Uh, that's, that's the, 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 uh, the picture that is being, being expressed here. Uh, the passage on Romans where he represented of all mankind in, ten, in sin is in Romans five twelve through 21. Uh, that that whole section speaks to that point. So what we have is when we come to this is the point of, of all of this is the priesthood of Melchizedek is superior to that of Aaron, and it points in type to the priesthood of Jesus Christ. It is a priesthood that is a superior priesthood. It is a priesthood that is not only priest but king. The two are combined, something that didn't happen in Israel. It is It is a priesthood... Did I say permanent? It's a, per, it's a permanent priesthood, and it's, it's a priesthood <coughs> uh, that will last. And currently, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, waiting for that moment when he says, go bring them home. That's, that's, 
that's that's where we are at this point. So as we come to this, te- so as this is kind of the lead in looking at Melchizedek, seeing seeing these features about Melchizedek uh, that uh, uh, that Jesus is not a priest based on any type of hierarchy or or genealogy. He's a priest because he is appointed one because he has an indestructible life. We'll be talking about that probably next week. And uh, 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 he is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, he doesn't, his priesthood doesn't end after 25 years. If it did, well, it would have ended a long time ago. So that's, that's, that's the point here. That's what he's trying to drive home. And he's, he's pointing out that as Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, who was the friend of God, Jesus is greater than Abraham. He's greater than all mankind. So these, these are the points that he's trying to, to drive home here as we move into the section where we're now going to talk about the priesthood of Jesus Christ and the covenant that he established with us. Those are, those are where the text is going to go now. The first section is going to compare his priesthood with Melchizedek, and then he's going to go into the full priesthood of Jesus, and then he's going to go into the covenant relationship with Jesus. Those are, that's kind of the flow of the text, and this is the heart of the text. Any comments or questions? You've had a lot of questions as we went along, so that's good. You know, it's interesting that they retired at age 50. Yeah. If the guys today got a hold of them. Well, 25 years of service and then... Well, that's, that's public safety guys. In our in our society, firemen and policemen. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't forcibly retire them, but they. Uh, well, they do like firemen. They're like you're done at this age. No, it's it's no. No, it's it's based on uh, health. They will retire them. They'll retire them if they can't pass their physical every year. Yeah, and they all have, well, not the cops, but the firemen all have second jobs, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah my nephew, highway patrol, he, he retired at 52. Yeah. Thought, He's such a kid yet. Yeah. And then they go to work for the DA's office or <laughs> somebody like that. And they may, you know, I, I, there's a captain at B, there was a captain at BPD that I knew really well, and, and he retired at, uh, uh, he started when he was 21, and he retired at 50, and he went to work for Chevron. Is uh, their sec- head of their security at about double what he was paid as a captain at BPD? And then he had two. Reti- <laughs> he had two retirements, and uh, yeah, you know. Anyway, anyway, we're way off track. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord God, we uh, we give thanks today for the for the text as we've looked at that, and and we look to our high priest, our King, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, Lord, that. Uh, uh, that he is indeed those things to us. Uh, that we, uh, he has opened the curtain uh, to heaven itself. That we can come into the very holy of holies and, give, and, and know that we are heard, know that we are received, know that, that we have Jesus making intercession for us and we have the Holy Spirit correcting our feeble prayers and that God Almighty the Father hears them, receives them, and acts upon them. And for that we give you tremendous thanks. And we thank you that we are not under a man-driven priesthood, but a holy 
God-driven one after the order of Melchizedek. And we thank you, and we give you praise in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.